everyone. You are listening to another episode of Financial Fofu. I'm Sarah Eiferman. And I'm Trudy Cowan. And today we have a very special guest. She's back for a second episode. Amanda Weir of Baybury and Weir Solicitors. How are you, Amanda? I'm great. Yeah. Good, good guys. Bear with us. We're having a few little technical issues today, the, the internet, but we will get there nonetheless. Uh, our topic for today is something that uh, as a, as a you know, finance broker, I often refer out for this and, you know, it's part of my process that you need to have a look at this. This is super important and I refer people on, but they just never get there. <laughs> uh, and that's talking about wills and estate and estate planning. And as I guess one of the key components of estate planning, that's your will. Amanda, can you maybe just tell us what actually is a will? Sure. So a will is a document that we call a living document um, and it indicates to others what you want to happen with your, what is to happen with your assets and things and, 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 and liabilities, I guess, once you pass away. So it's a clear uh, documented piece of evidence of to your intention of what you want things to happen, like how you, yeah, yeah. How, you want, how you want things to be distributed That's right. um, and sometimes why. You okay. That way. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and I presume we also can include things about who we want to look after our children and where they should live and our yep. intentions around them as well. Yeah. It includes guardianship, your business, your children, your assets. Okay. Who you don't want things to go to and why. <laughs> <laughs> who who needs one? Everyone. 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 Regardless of circumstances. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the common thing I have people say is, "But I don't have any assets." Yeah, it doesn't. And mean. I. And I say, well, one, it doesn't matter, but two, how long have you been working for? You have super. Mm. Yeah, exactly. At least super. You yeah. know, so everybody has some asset. And, I mean, even in a will, it doesn't have to be things that you consider valuable that you include. You can put your jewellery or your mm. furniture and things my like dog. that in there as well. My dog's You're... in my will. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the things about a will is too, it's not just for the person who's writing it. It's, no. yeah. it's for the people who are left behind so that when they, so A, they know what there is and what you want done with it because otherwise that's just a whole nother level of grief and conflict for them trying to work out what to do. Yeah. And can you also include things about um, your funeral and what you want to happen with your body when you pass? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In as much much detail as you like. Yeah. I'm being put into fireworks. I am. That's my idea. (laughs) I know. You gave it to me. (laughs) You gave me that idea. Isn't I'm going out with a bang. Yeah, bang. See you later, everybody. <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, with a will, you list everything that you want to happen and then that has to be executed somehow. Like, how does that work? Yeah, the execution of the will is very important. Um, I can't tell you the number of times we've had to deal with wills that have been declared void um, and we've ended up in a conflict because um, it wasn't done properly. So it yeah. has to be signed by two witnesses um, plus the testator, so the person who's writing the will. Um, those those witnesses don't have to be lawyers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. My recommendation is that they are always independent of the will. Yeah. Um, so not not listed in the will. Yeah, certainly not beneficiaries. Um, yeah. And I even say, look, even if your executor, you know, you don't really want your executor signing. Have someone completely independent do that. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Which leads into the next question is what is an executor and who should they be? Yeah, so the executor of your will is the person that you appoint to basically handle the will and the distribution of your property after you pass away. They will um, coordinate the application to the court for the probate certificate. Um, they will coordinate um, what happens with the property that needs to be sold or, or transferred, your bank accounts, your car, all those sort of stuff. They're yeah. essentially the project manager, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it's a great way to That's, describe it. What happens if they don't want to do that? Well, <laughs> can, they, can, can they say no? Absolutely. Yeah, so I always suggest having two or three and the way we yeah. do it, you can either have you know, jointly and severally so they can do it together or separately. Mm. Often what we'll do is, well, I want this person, but if they are unwilling or unable, then I want this person. And I suggest having minimum two. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what about removing that responsibility from a family member and making it uh, an advisor, like even yourself as a solicitor, as opposed to, especially if there's, you know, family issues, yeah, uh, um, yeah. complications? I do recommend that. Um, and and what it does, again, is just remove the emotion from the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, the last person somebody who's lost a loved one really wants to be doing is paperwork and dealing with solicitors and banks and all the rest of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and you can have a really frank conversation with that person. So there's quite a few clients for who I'm the executor of their will um, and they've made it very clear to me what they want. Um, and and that's not only is it documented in the will, but it's in my file. Yeah, it's yeah. in your file notes that you have to take legally like yeah. we all do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it doubles up. All right, so then that leads into often people think, oh, well, that covers me. Mm. But what about a power of attorney whilst you're still alive? What, what's the difference between a will and a power of attorney? When do you need one? When are they applicable? Yeah, so as you've just touched on, a will only comes into operation once you die. Um, a power of attorney, we have two types. It's in the last about five years ago, um, the laws changed. So we have, we have what's called a power of attorney, which may be an enduring or a general. So an enduring power of attorney lasts until you revoke it. Okay. A general attorney, a power of attorney is typically used in situations where I'm going overseas for six months, but I know while I'm gone, I'm going to need these things done or I'm selling property. Okay. So it leaves somebody yep. back um, physically mm-hmm. located where they can do that sort of stuff. And that typically has an end date on it and okay. stops at that end date. Then we have what we now call um, appointment of medical decision maker, which used to be the old medical power of attorney. And that's just a document which tells um, your doctors and everybody else who it is that you want to make medical decisions for you when you're unable. Right, and that's different to a legal one? No, or? no, it's the, same, it's, it's the same thing. Oh, yeah, so, sorry, so, the power of attorneys apply to where you get to choose. They can be just financial, just legal, or just personal. Okay. Um, basically anything but medical. Right, okay, so medical is a completely separate category. That's correct, right. yeah. Yeah, yep. okay, good. Okay, so if these apply while you're alive, really everyone should have those as well. Yeah, yeah, we always suggest it um, strongly for for business owners for example um because it may be that something happens to you um you can't make decisions and you don't necessarily want you know your husband or your wife running the business but you've got an accountant a business coach and a lawyer yeah yeah. and you want them to work together to do whatever you want done with the business so yeah and i guess that yeah and at the moment, it's probably a good example. People struck down by COVID. It's not something that's planned, you getting sick no, and no. you being unavailable. So yeah. these documents come into play in those unexpected yeah, well, circumstances. It's the proverbial, you know, you could be hit by a bus. I mean, you mm. just don't know. Interestingly enough, 
that is something that has happened to a few people that we both mutually know and mm. it, it created a lot of additional stress because their partners weren't actually involved in their businesses Correct. and so therefore how do you then you then have either random people coming in and trying to run your business for mm. you or you have your actual advisors not capable or, or not legally of able to, to do so. Yeah, and your employees don't know what's going on. I mean, they you know, no. don't necessarily have a hand in running the business and keeping the business going and, you know, doing all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really important in that respect. So we had some changes uh, last year or the year before with regards to the Marriage Act and um, who could get married. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, often uh, a power of attorney was required for medical decisions for de facto's. Mm -hmm specifically because they weren't in a, well, in a legal relationship, they didn't have the right to make medical decisions. Yep. Is that still the place or if they're now, how has that changed? If you're still de facto, you still should have a power of attorney because you're not married? I Well, it's not because you're not married. I, I mean, I recommend it because if you're looking at the changes that were recently with same-sex marriage and that type of thing, Typically, there or there often is a lot more controversial conflict within the family around those relationships, um, yeah. and so it's really important that the family is very clear on what you wanted, um, and it's documented um, because you know, if, and, and even de facto, the same sort of thing, I guess that you know. If you play it out, you're in hospital, you can't make decisions. Um, the doctors will go to next of kin, and yeah. it may not be and, the and next that's of kin. Not often, you want. yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I suppose like we talked about when we talked about um, power of attorneys, um, it's it's super important. Well, we're still talking about power of attorneys, mm. but it's super important that you talk about like who you pick and their position yep. and also being aware that that person might change as your life and your relationship changes. So if you've, if you've done an enduring one, it may need to be that you need to review that every few years to make sure that they're still the right person yeah. to make those decisions on your behalf. Yeah. Look, our process here is that um, w we keep track of that sort of stuff and every 12 months just flick out an email that says, hey, we notice it's been 12 months since you've done your will or your power of attorney. Have things changed? Do we need to have a revisit of it? Um, just so you're yeah. aware it's yeah. still there. Yeah. Do you recommend that you tell people... Yeah. That you're who you've appointed, mm. so that they know that they've got that authority yeah. in this in that situation. It's a great question, Trudy, and it's, an, it's a very specific piece of advice I give um, everybody when we do a will and a power of attorney. And that is, it's great you've done this, and um, and you're covered legally. But the next best thing you can do is have a conversation with every person named yeah. in that document and make sure they're aware, because the more people that know and hear you say it, the less mm. scope there is for somebody to object. Yeah, yeah, and have issues with yeah. it, especially if it's not a death. Yes, because you're not here, right? right? <laughs> but <laughs> if you are still here and you need medical decisions made or things to be cared for, mm -hmm. at least you know the people that are, that are aware of that and can, and can make those decisions. Yeah, right. Now, in in a previous episode, we talked about um, financial agreements, mm -hmm. previously known as prenups or binding financial agreements. Mm -hmm. How do they work in terms of wills? Do they apply? Are they part of a basic estate planning position piece? What's your recommendation on that? Uh, look, they're separate documents and, they, and obviously and, and they operate very independently of each other. Um, I guess when we're talking about prenups and things like that, we recommend those where um, coming into a relationship, uh, 
there might be a bit of an imbalance in terms of the assets of one party as compared to another. Um, or you've got a particular asset that you want to protect, like an inherited property or something like that. Um, but then it feeds through to your will um, because you've protected it by using the financial agreement up front. Um, but when you pass away, it's important that your will says that that piece of property, for example, might go back to the family. Yeah. Uh, the reason for my question was uh, often people think about estate planning only being something you do for when you mm. die, not for when you're alive. So that's the reason I threw that. Yeah, well, I guess from that there. perspective, the financial agreements um, cover you for while you're alive and if the relationship ends, this is, because it doesn't just cover what are we bringing in, what it really is, talks about mm. is what happens if this relationship ends, not because of death but because it just ends, um, then what are we going to do and what are we agreeing to? Yeah. Okay. So what is a testamentary trust? Testamentary trust typically where there's children involved. Um so the way a will works is that it places all the assets into, a, I guess, a temporary trust, if you want to call it that, until it's distributed by your executor. A testamentary yeah. trust we use, particularly where people have young children, um, and they say, okay, well, this is roughly at this point in time what we think the pool's going to be that they get under our will, um, but they're only a year old, and if we die tomorrow... Clearly, you know, you can't give it all to a one-year-old. So <laughs> it'll sit in a trust. <laughs> it sits into a, a trust is created. Um, and the way we draft them is that we have a provision that says, yep, we need a testamentary trust created on our passing. Um, these assets are to be held and used as, I don't know, investment properties for the children or they're to be sold. Yep. Everything goes yep. into the testamentary trust. And this is specifically how and when we want it distributed to the children. Okay. So these would be helpful as well, I suppose, if one partner passed away before the other to protect certain of those assets for the kids in the case of remarriage yep. or other things happening with the partner that's left behind. Yep, absolutely, yeah. And often, um, look, we've had examples where we have got, you know, going back again to business owners where um, the business is going to be handled separately from everything else. Um, the partner who's left behind doesn't want to handle it. Um, it just gives really specific instructions. Yep. On how. Super important. Yeah. yeah. Super important. Okay. Is there anything else that should go into an estate plan that we haven't sort of already discussed? Uh, we talk about, we do a bit of succession planning. Um, yep. So, um, you know, who is going to take over? Um, how do you yep. want it done? Um, are you happy for them to sell stuff off or, and that type of thing? And that's particularly important where you have sort of a bit of family wealth, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. So they're probably the three or four main documents though in estate planning. But remembering too, sorry, that they also um, include how to um, handle share portfolios and all those types of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of other assets than just property, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you also hear, I guess, a lot about people who have done their own will or their own DIY. documents, their DIY yeah. situation. Is that something you recommend or recommend is avoided? Well, no, I'm not <laughs> going to recommend that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is our main business. <laughs> I have, the problem with that process is, look, it's, it's people who are trying to keep costs down and I completely yep. understand that, which is, and so we try to do that as well. Um, mm. The problem is that you don't have an outside person with experience in the industry and experience yeah. in the field who can yeah. say, well, actually, have you thought about this? And have you thought about this? And the way you've drafted that, if that ends up in front of a judge, it's not going to hold up. 
They don't, they don't yeah. know that information. So anyone can go to Australia Post and buy a wheel kit. Right? I don't yeah, know yeah. how much they are, $50, $60, I don't know. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean, and they, they go away and they write it all in and someone signs it for them and they pop it in a drawer and they're like, cool, we're covered. But that's hmm. not necessarily true. And you need okay. a legal brain really to be able yeah. to say, well, this is what we know is happening in the courts. This is what we've seen go wrong and um, and to cater for those situations. And really protect yeah, yourself. Absolutely. Which leads to the next mm-hmm. question. Where should a wheel be ah, kept? We say keep it in our safe. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense yeah. though, right? Off-site for a Absolute start. Off-site. Um, we always make enough copies which we certify for the executor for Mm -hmm. each of the parties um and for maybe the beneficiaries if if you need that um we keep a certified copy for ourselves but we do recommend the original being kept by us um because i know it's safe um and at probate the court well we can do it without the original but it's a much longer process the court requires the original will Okay. okay, that's and, something that might not be very well known. Yeah, and for those cost-sensitive clients, do you charge to keep that original A one-off fee of $100. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So leading into then mm-hmm. costs, what does a wheel cost? If we're talking <laughs> about the difference of a wheel kit from straight mm-hmm. post for $50, dollars $100, what do you charge for wheels? Shall we help her out a little bit and go, let's go, a couple with two kids that own their own home. That's there it, $300. See, it, realistically, in the grand scheme of life, and the things that you expense, that's coffee a week, Trudy, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and yeah. it essentially <laughs> saves tens of thousands of dollars for the people that um, have to deal with it after you've passed away. And that's probably the one thing we haven't touched on. What happens if you don't have a will? If you don't have a will, then the application that goes into the Supreme Court is a little bit different. It's not a probate application. What we apply for is letters of administration. Administration. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. And, and the court then gets to decide who gets your assets? Kind of. I mean, it, sometimes if you've got, if, if it's just going to your wife and or your husband, whichever, and nobody's mm. disputing it, um, then that's fine. So we've done a few cases where one of the children have come to us, adult children. Um, we do affidavits and that type of thing. The application's quite um, mm. complex. Um, but yeah. basically the court will say, um, and we know this, so we do it up front, but we want to know what other siblings there are, what other children there are of that person. Um, and yeah. are they? do they have an interest in this? Are they being catered for? Are they happy with it? So we get stat, um, affidavits from each party. Yeah. Okay. Okay, mm. interesting. Any other final pearls of wisdom you have for our listeners? Uh, just do it. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting slogan. It comes back to what you were saying in the beginning and that is the number of clients we have referred to us for wills and they make the initial phone call and then nothing ever happens so we are actually yeah. about to launch if i can just let you guys know yeah yeah go We're for about it about to launch in the next couple of weeks if i get my pull my finger out um a portal okay. on our website <laughs> Amazing. That yeah, was my next so question. people will be able to go in there. And I guess we're, it's not completely automatic because I didn't want that. I want them to have the professional advice and the contact with me. So yeah. they can go yeah, in yeah. there, pay up front, um, fill in the questionnaire, 
that comes through to me. I call them, make a time to meet with them or talk with them, go through it all, get it drafted and back to them and help them execute it. Um, and we're actually... Massively streamlining the process totally, though totally. there, right? And we're actually in talks. Yeah. We've got one to come out. Talking to financial planners and, and brokers and accountants about putting the mm-hmm. same yep. portal on their website. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yep. So then they Absolutely. can, the, pro, I, the idea with that is that they can sit there with the clients and I'll train them, um, sit there with yep. the clients and fill out the questionnaire with them and then we know it's done. Yep. Yeah, building it yep. into the process, just making it as easy as possible because it's so important. I can't yeah. stress Very enough. If you have been putting off doing your will, <laughs> now is the kind, this is oh, your wake up COVID call. COVID didn't tell you. Get it done. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many, I mean, we see it based on what we do in everyday life and dealing with lots of different people. We just see the circumstances mm. that arise. And I just cannot stress strongly enough for anyone listening out there that if you have not done it or you've half done one or you haven't updated it in 15 years, it is time to go and pull it out of that drawer or wherever yeah. you've kept it and get it done. And the same thing for powers yeah. of attorney, perhaps not as important depending on circumstances, but I personally think they are just as important. Yeah. They're not um, documents that you, they're not lessons you want to learn the hard way. Really no, hard. not at all. Um, and no, I think not look, at all. part of the fear, particularly around wills, is um, it's not a fun conversation. Right, so no. I'm talking to clients saying, okay, well, what do you, and it's my job to think of worst case scenario. And they're like, most yeah. clients, I didn't even think of that. And and what we're trying to yeah. give is you give your family some peace of mind at a time which is, yeah. you know, they're full of grief. Um, um, let's try and make something about this easier. Yeah, take the whole stress Absolutely. out of the whole yeah. equation. And legitimately rest in peace. I know it's a bit of a morbid topic for people and they they don't like addressing it but it is that that is absolutely a pearl of wisdom for people Mm. to take away and just realize that sometimes you do need to be a little bit emotionally removed from this and look at it logically um and almost as if you were making business decisions on the matter and and get it in writing so that it's there to protect everybody that you care about and removing the emotion from it is exactly what we do um it's not uh, it's not unusual for me to be with clients talking about this and we're laughing um (laughs) i I guess (laughs) hey man you're putting me into fireworks so for me that's one of my skills is the relationship stuff and um and absolutely the burden for people Absolutely. Absolutely. Amanda, it has been lovely having you on today. We really appreciate it. Come back whenever you like. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. Uh, You've been listening to Financial Fofu. I am Sarah Eichmann. And I'm Trudy Cowan. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Financial Fofu. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you have subscribed to our channel. I just wanted to let you all know that the information and material in our podcast and any supplementary and associated information available is for general purposes only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from us, the podcast owners and our special guests. And we recommend that you seek independent, suitable advice that is specific for your unique circumstances. Thanks for tuning in hope to see you next week please 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 send us um, use our link and send us any requests or any feedback we'd really appreciate it cheers